Welcome to the Alchemist Inkwell. This is the spiritual podcast for grounded people. I'm Emily. And I'm Crystal Lynn. And today we have some amazing guests that we've been exciting to, excited to bring on since before we even really started the podcast. So it is so good to welcome on the hosts of the Black Gen Zennial podcast. Hello, Stephanie and Jill. Hi, Hi thank guys. you guys so much for having us. Yes, we're so excited. Thank you. So Absolutely. tell us a little bit about your yourselves and your your bios and stuff. Let like geek out over yourselves for a little bit because I know we are. <laughs> oh, me? Okay. <laughs> We're gonna do this. Okay. Yeah. Hi guys. I am Steph, one half of the Black Gen Zennials. Um, me personally, I'm currently a student, and oh my gosh, how am I still a student? I do not know. But um, I am living in California. And it's been really cool being from the East Coast and specifically the South and moving out to California, seeing different perspectives and just learning so much as I grow right now. I'm 24. So, you know, I have no idea what's going on, but I am learning and that's kind of what it's all about. Hi, guys. Um, I'm Jill, the other half of the Black Shenzennials. I'm not in school. I had to get away. Like, I don't know how Steph's doing it either. I would absolutely die. Um, I'm an education administrator at a theater right now. It's an apprenticeship for a year. So I'm figuring it out. Um, try to work in the creative arts in some shape or form. I'm 24. Steph and I met at college. And yeah, we're really excited just to get to know you guys a little bit more and for you to get to know us too. Awesome. Yeah. Steph, I did not know you were currently in California. So how yeah. what have you noticed as far as differences or what has been like a really stark contrast energetically between the two places? Oh my gosh. Energy is like the perfect word. I'm in Berkeley. So I'm in the Bay Area and Berkeley. I went, so the, the Bay Area is like Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco and the surrounding kind of areas. And the perfect way to describe it is yesterday I was in Oakland and there is just an open energy but it's also like there's so like so much energy whereas coming from we were in a sleepy town in Greenville South Carolina before <laughs> this and that's where we went to college and that is just it's so different and it can be it's manifested in like the way people look at you on the street the way people smile at you the way people have conversations with you and out here I just feel like everyone is so much more open and maybe that is you know being in Oakland specifically is a place that a lot of black people are there and they they see me and they're like oh dude like you're one of us whatever and I'm not used to that kind of thing being from South Carolina being from a beach town in Florida so maybe that's the difference I'm sensing but I I think there's also just like a basic just energy that the, the Bay Area has that's just totally different yeah you're basically right next door to me. So I'm up in Tahoe, so I'm not too far away from you. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Hang out, hang out. <laughs> right? Like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. But I couldn't agree more. I think um, the Bay Area specifically is a very interesting, I call it an energy vortex. Every city has one. Um, and when you like tap into the energy vortex of a place, you really get like a deeper understanding. It's also the reason, like if for some reason you for, like really feel like you need to go to Denver and you don't know why it's usually because you need whatever is coming in that energy vortex wow. to like hmm. support you. So it's just really interesting to hear it described because I've never lived on the East coast. I know Krista does. And so to hear your perspective on both sides is really fascinating. 
sick energy vortex. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We also use something like that in astrology where we're exp- experimenting with astrocartography. It's basically just mapping out how the, the different angles of the planets are affecting points in your experience at the same time. So that's another thing that we like to talk about is if you feel called to a certain place, you might end up on your Jupiter line or something like that. So it's really cool to look into, but you're right. There is the cool thing about the United States, uh, is that it is so many little mini countries in and of itself, you know? So the cultural shift is different, especially from one coast to the other. So I am really fascinated by the fact that you get to kind of really weigh and see the difference there and feel that and have that experience. That's awesome. Yeah. I always say, I wonder, I always also say like, oh, I like the city. Like I'm very much more drawn to the energy of the city. Is there like a city energy versus like a sleepy, like town energy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm from the sleepy town. Uh, the, at least the general sleepy town, it's waking up, but I'm from that smaller town vibe. And, uh, I know when I move into cities or, or navigate in cities, there is this, uh, heightened energy and you can either ride that wave or it can be quite intimidating. So depends on what you're looking for. If you have the natural environment of a sleepy town, or if you're more of a city energy yourself. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we did want to start off by talking about like, how are you guys doing? Like over the last week or so, the headlines have been kind of horrible. Yeah. Um, and I'm just doing a check-in with like, how are you doing? And how are you navigating that? Obviously that's not what we were initially thinking we would start this with when we booked this like what, a month ago? But yeah. I think it's really applicable to the energy we're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm okay. Um, it's really hard and social media is definitely something with Black Lives Matter, all of the things that are happening in the world that is obviously brought so much change, but also can kind of have a hindrance to how you feel mentally on the day-to-day basis. You Mm -hmm. log on to Instagram and it's like 10 people posting it on your story, which is good to see. You want to see change, but also sometimes you're like, damn, I feel like some people may not even be having these conversations in person trying to make that change, but then they can post a graphic on their story for two minutes, which could make a difference. Obviously they might have a follower that didn't even know this was happening around the world and, you know, brought some knowledge to them about it, but it definitely is hard kind of trying to find the difference between who's just doing it to kind of fit in for the clout, if you would say, versus really wants to make a change towards it. So that's kind of where I struggle with the social media aspect. So I'm okay, but it's all over my TikTok. It's all over my Instagram, all over my Twitter. So it definitely brings like a little bit of a drainage to my energy. I think every time I see something like this. Yeah, I totally agree with the the um, social media kind of thing. And I think it's it's just crazy because social media, it's designed to jump out at you. It's designed to have all these different things that are that are kind of stimulating your senses. And when the thing that's stimulating you is the same thing over and over again about this terrible thing that's happened, it's pretty overwhelming sometimes. So I think that, yeah, this is when everything happened, you know, two or so years ago, that was the first time I ever like put down Instagram where I was like, I can't be here anymore. And that, I'm an Instagram gal like that, <laughs> that like really did it for me. And so I think that that's kind of what I'm always trying to balance is putting things down or engaging with it and facing, you know, the feelings that I'm having about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really valuable perspective to say the notion of it can get too overwhelming on social media because some people I think um, 
feel like, well, no, I have to be present for all of it. I have to be Mm -hmm. a part of all of it. I have to watch all of it all the time. And I know that that is oftentimes from a place of very high vibration intention and thought, but then it drains them. It zaps them. It makes them not mentally comfortable with themselves and having to deal with those things every day. Um, And so I love and like seeing and understanding that that like we still have to prioritize some of our own health in that space, even though we are making real change and valuing real change that social media can bring. Because yeah. the energy of social media is not lovely. <laughs> yeah. Even if you spend a lot of time there, which is part of the reason we do this show and we do this stuff is like how high vibration can we make this space that's inherently rather low vibration? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just remember every, I'm glad you brought up that point, like a couple summers ago, everything with George Floyd, I had so many of my black friends just like erasing their Instagram going off of it. And I was kind of interested and intrigued to kind of keep on it just to see what was actually going out there. Um, but I called one of my friends who's also black and she was like, dude, I had to erase it. Like I would just start bawling my eyes out every time I went on Instagram. And it got to the point for me too, where it's like, every time I would go on, there's just like, tears coming down my face every time. So I had to take a step back too for a couple of days, days just to like regain some, you know, energy, regain kind of like my overall emotions towards it. Cause you kind of go through like the five stages of grief, especially through social media when things (laughs) like this happen, like first you're like, there's no way this happened. And then you're like, pissed the fuck off, like no way. And then you kind of get into like a depressive state. So you really are on this roller coaster of emotions, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I think that, kind of what one thing that I was thinking about when you guys were talking to us about unconditional love was the love that we feel as black people as a part of our community mm-hmm. and it really is true that you mourn each thing each one of these things that happens as if it's a part of your own family and I think that that's one of those those facets of love that that we experience so I think each each in-group experiences this in some way and I think that that's one of the things that makes it so hard is that like love that we have and we don't even understand it's just there mm-hmm. that's also really that's a beautiful way of putting it though of seeing it as this unconditional love that was something that we wanted to bring up with you guys is how can we um incorporate more of an actual high vibration true sense of unconditional love into our kind of worldview into our communities today because so often as has been aptly noted through the events that have occurred recently through you know everyone's awareness and all of this stuff it's been so many you know like you said in groups are discluded from the conversation and we notice that in the spiritual community too of people just bypassing or performative Mm -hmm. allyship or those kind of things and we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on how we can be more inclusive in an unconditional love sort of space I love that. Two things always come to mind for me because you might have the first thing is if you have black friends, something that I really appreciated is I got like, I'm sure you two Steph, like a bunch of texts from like maybe a lot of your friends are like thinking about you, sister, but it was kind of just that the one text, and then you may not have heard from him for the rest of the, you know, those few months that everything was happening. But one of my friends who I've been friends with since I was like six six years old, something that she did was like, I want to call you and have a conversation about all of my like Mm -hmm. biases that I have. And that was like the one really candid conversation I had throughout that entire experience, maybe one or two, I should say, really, Um, not to discredit any of those other conversations, but she just called me and she's like, you know, I was raised like this, like when I went downtown, for example, and I saw a group of black people. My parents always like told me to stay weary from that. And she's like, then I kind of did. But then years later, I was like, why am I actually staying weird? You know, kind of getting away from this group of people that are 
just trying to eat their fucking donuts, you know, something like that. Oh, can we curse on this? Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm, you know, I have a bad mouth on myself. Um, so really just having those conversations where Steph and I joke, but like kind of exposing yourself because, you know, you are friends with these people for a reason. So they won't be able to show that unconditional love. Like I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, I can't believe that she thinks this way. But also if you're raised this way, um, and you, you know, you've been taught these things since you were six, you have to have this level of empathy where you kind of see where these people are coming from as well. Um, my other part is always just educating yourself. It's easy to have an argument about what you think is right on other on either side. Um, but if you're not reading information from both sides of the spectrum of what's happening, um, you will come in with a lot of biases. To say that to myself, I know when all of these things are happening, I'm usually on, you know, anything, not Fox News and everything. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's so important to really educate yourself on both sides, just so you can see where people are coming from. Um, and if they bring up an argument or just say something that you think is ignorant, you really want to be able to see what that source is. So those are like the two things that come to mind, but really just exposing yourself and having those conversations. Um, a lot of people want to be able to listen and learn and empathize in this world, even though it seems like they may not sometimes. So that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I think that's so, that's so right. And I think what Jill said at first about, you know, the friend, I definitely think that that is a great example because we think about these these huge things that are happening and they're they're countrywide issues but a lot of it is solved like face to face with your friends the people you've known your whole life the people your coworker things like that where it's those interpersonal relationships that really are like i mean i think that's where love is actually shown and so i like similarly have a friend who i grew up with my whole life i think i've known her since i was 3 or 4 years old and she is definitely on a different side than me like she definitely has different views than I do but my absolute one of my absolute best friends in the world and we were or are just super super recently were able to have these really really real conversations about race where she was like just asking questions and she's a very opinionated person so she's like well isn't it like this I'm like isn't it like this and I'm like girl no it's like this and I'm like actually it could be like that too and like <laughs> able to have those conversations and it's not necessarily about changing who you are or changing what you think all the time. Sometimes it's just about having those conversations and being willing to have them have this space where you're having some difficult discussions and then move on from it and still love each other regardless of what happened during that conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think that that on that like interpersonal face-to-face -face level is one of the strongest places that you can show that love in this context. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness yeah. is so important in this process. Like it's the most important yeah. thing. Even if someone says something that you're like, I cannot believe you just said something like that. It's so important to practice forgiveness as, as often as you can on the day to day. And also keep boundaries. If you have a friend that you guys are just on two completely different sides and it's getting to the point where it's really affecting your personal relationship, putting up boundaries too, just so you can maintain that, that peace for yourself. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, the perspective that you guys have and that you're able to share right now. Like, can I, I just want to say, like, I appreciate your insights because it's kind of one of the, the best pieces of advice I ever got was right before I got married from my dad. And he had said, you know, there's no point in getting angry because you're not going to change who that person is. You have to like accept them for who they are. And that's where the unconditional love comes in. But 
to add how you guys are talking about it. It's to understand where they're at and then be open to having conversations where rather than butting heads in anger, everybody is allowed to, I'm going to quote Ted Lasso here, but everyone's allowed to get curious (laughs) is so much more constructive and productive. And again, coming out to another quote that I'm thinking of, because you guys are just bringing up so much great insight is uh, the course in miracles, which is a book that came out a while ago. Um, Marianne Williamson teaches it a ton, but it says that a miracle by definition is just a shift in perspective. So facilitating shifts in perspective through conversation is just the coolest thing. And knowing that that's someone, you know, as people who have a right to, to be able to speak on this topic and who have the experience to be able to say, yeah, my lens is the one that, you know, is where all of this information can come from. And you then become also the wealth of knowledge that other people can access, knowing that that's your preferred method for people to be able to come with that knowledge and with those questions. It's amazing. And I want to thank you guys for that perspective too. Okay. Yeah. I love that you said that a shift in perspective. That's, that's so cool. What about you guys? Have you been able to have a new perspective of everything that's happening or maybe had family members and been talking to them and they've been able to shift their perspective as well? Yeah. Um, so it's been an adventure <laughs> for sure. As of late on that yeah. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is, Go there is a, a process of trying to be someone who is not as steeped in the exposure to difference and diversity and all those things in your area and having grown up with that. So you're dealing with a lot of inherited beliefs from people who are rooted and have not, not really explored or experienced or questioned. They were given a template. They've lived with it. It worked for them. They don't want to change. And then coming into a situation and saying, Hey, I think change is necessary and also not scary. And also like could be better on the other side, innately, so many people believe that change is bad, but it's not change is transformative. Change is the only way love can truly happen. And so all of these things are so important, but it's really trying to bring someone to the point where they are willing to change a perception that they had. So a miracle, right? Bringing someone to the point where they're willing to have that shift in perception, I think has been the hardest thing, but to your point as well, when you say, oh, but on one, in a one-on-one situation, I've found that a lot of people, when they explore how they would do things on one-on-one circumstances, totally fine. It's when they're expected to conceptualize something as a whole, mm-hmm. that, that stuff ends up getting a little off kilter. Yeah. And you can see the, the attempt to process and the attempt to assign a black and white um, label to something that is a range of emotions and a range of experiences and a range of personalities. And that is my biggest thing when I talk to someone, it's like, okay, but then just deal with every person as a person and love them for who they are standing in front of you, regardless of, you know, any other context. So that's been my most successful attempt so far that and doing actual belief work, um, into my own inherited beliefs on a DNA and genetic and inherited level. So if you can release it in you, you actually energetically, um, release it for like seven generations back. So if I notice people around me having these beliefs that I'm just like, there's room for growth here, we could do better. I'll look for it in myself on a genetic level and then release it there knowing that I'm benefiting myself for any remnants of that, that I have, but also hopefully energetically tracing that back to them too. And I actually have noticed 
that this has helped with certain people in my circle as well. So working on that. And and that's, yeah. And that's done through like energy work stuff and pulling and releasing, which is one Mm -hmm. of the cool parts of it. And just to note on that same, very same perspective, um, what I will do, I tend to do is when things happen, like, you know, the trial this week or that George Floyd last year, anything like that, it's always, okay, what is the, like, how energetic, like high vibration can I look at this as far as seeing the big picture of like, why is this happening now? What purposes is going to serve for us? Like, how is this benefiting the collective in some way? Because the vibration of our planet is moving in a direction that is upward. It is things are getting better. We're in the space right now where like the zit has popped and there's goo all, all over everybody. And it's <laughs> yeah. disgusting and gross. We have to like work through that. But mm-hmm. you had to do that in order to make it heal. So we are in that space, which mm-hmm. is not fun to be in by any means. And it means a lot of really traumatic things are coming up and happening. And all these things that were under the surface are now coming to light, which is beneficial, but also very intense and hard to process. Um but anytime that happens, that's always my perspective so that I can like look at it and be like, oh, this is kind of the like higher vibrational perspective of why this is coming up, not negating or bypassing in that way. Like, yeah, feel what you need to feel and that sort of thing. But then it gives me the space that when I come up to family members or people in my circle where they are saying things or not believing things in the way that they should be, or it gives me a space to reframe it that they can understand on a deeper level, as opposed to feeling just like I'm going to hit a wall and being contradictory to their ideals. Yeah. Yeah. I especially think right now, knowing the astrology, right? Like I do this every time something happens where I'm just like, why, why that? Why now? Why is this happening? Cause that's crazy. And it's with things across the board. And I then have to take that higher perspective, which astrology really helps me find noticing the transits right Mm -hmm. now. We are in a transformation thing. Like we're in a, Hey, stuff doesn't, doesn't work. We're going to break the bone and mend it. We have, you know, Pluto return coming up in February. There's a lot of revolutionizing. Mm. And that's not, I, I always like to say this because people are taking Uranus and saying, oh, it's revolution. And yes, but also revolution is how can we take this cycle and turn it into a spiral? Rather than just repeating everything over and over again, getting nowhere, how can we revisit the things that we now understand and take it up a level to get progress to something that actually is going to take us forward? So history doesn't have to repeat itself. It can revisit themes and learn from those. And that's where I'm trying to see, you know, how are we revisiting things? But this time, instead of perpetuating a cycle, how are we spiraling it upwards? And I am seeing evidence of that. Thank God. And this can be the time, I think, where we start raising that vibration, lifting it up and creating an upward spiral as compared to just continuing a cycle that wasn't working. No, that's so good to hear. I'm glad that we're not going to just keep repeating it and yeah, taking a spiral. circle and making it a spiral. That's such a like great way to put it. Like we're, it's still going to be revolving, but we're moving somewhere. And it's also Yeah, definitely good to hear that there is, you can place it in some greater direction of moving forward, everything that's happening. I think a lot of the time it feels like, like we're building a tower and it falls down, Mm -hmm. but rather it's just like things are shifting. And that's kind of like a great way to kind of think of that to feel better at least. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. to expand on that, we used to build towers and they always fell down. Now we're learning there's a different form of architecture that maybe if we build this way, they'll last longer and more people can benefit. Because if you go into a tower, like I'm just going to play off of this metaphor. (laughs) If you go into a tower, it only takes you so far. 
you can't get broader. You get tunnel vision, even if it is looking up and down, right? It's a pole. If you spread outward and you create space for more than just what was in that one spot and build on top of it and on top of it and on top of it, you can expand. And we are, you know, you guys talk about the black Gen Zennials, the Gen Zennial um, generations and that combination. That is what Gen, uh, Gen Z and millennials really did come here to do. So I think you guys are right on time, right aligned with the energy. And I think that what you're doing is so necessary. You are saying, Hey, this is a cycle. Let's pull it up. Let's expand on this and see it in 3d, possibly more dimensions than what people considered before. So it's huge. And I, again, can't thank you guys enough for everything that you guys are doing energetically and that the, the actual tangible steps that you guys are taking too, and that you get to inspire us to do the same. Oh, thanks. You guys inspire us. And I think even the younger generations definitely inspire us. It's amazing going on even social media and seeing these 16 year olds, you know, advocating and having these conversations, something that I definitely was not doing. and was too afraid to do as a 16 year old in my, you know, pretty white town and city and seeing mm-hmm. these students just being so kids and students so brave mm-hmm. and having this voice that you're like, how do you have that voice? Like you're 16, but like, you also have 16 years on this earth. Like you have some knowledge to you. You're not, you're not just a baby and kids. So they definitely, that younger generation and this is generation X after that too. They, they just inspire yeah. me so much. It's so cool. It's oh, so wow. cool to see. Yeah. Gen X is just above us. Um, and then millennials is the, the generation that I participate in, Pluto was in Scorpio, and then you have your Gen Zs. And so just briefly to explain that. So we have Pluto in Scorpio, which is transformative in, in and of itself. Pluto is very comfortable in Scorpio. And that's all about death and rebirth, deconstruction, reconstruction. So millennials uh, came in and they were like, Hey, problem. I see problem. And you see all these headlines of like millennials are killing the housing market or yeah. napkins. I think it was at one point, but then Gen Z comes in And they're Pluto and Sagittarius. And they're saying, how can we explore new possibilities? How can we build on the deconstruction from before and say, okay, for real though, this isn't happening. We're going to do better. And so that's where we're currently at. Uh, Gen Alpha, which is the next generation of Pluto and Capricorn, they're still still babies. So they have time (laughs) and they're going to be building new foundations that we are now exploring and creating, right? So this is a cycle that is, it is elevating. and it's about time. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's definitely about time. I like that. And so us as Gen Zennials, we both participate in the tearing down yeah. and in the let's do something different. I love yep. that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that too. So on that note a little bit, what what would be topics of conversation you guys would like to see more in social media or on a face-to-face basis? Like are, where, what are things you would like people to talk about more that would create that new kind of change or move towards that, like making a better solution space? Uh, I think think, some things, Oh, go Steph. No, you go, you go first. (laughs) Um, Well, I only say this because this is something that Steph and I have been talking a lot about recently, but just mental health within the black community too, and kind of what that can look like with everything that's going on in the world. But also obviously if all of these things weren't happening, there would still be struggles with it, but especially with everything that's happening. um, I think so many black people went through 
um, a lot of anxiety, depression, maybe even like being triggered by a lot of these uh, events, PTSD, seeing these things so blatantly on social media. I mean, you can see even with the George Floyd video, someone being beaten to death, you know, like literally being killed. And um, so many people, I think, were just triggered with it after and just kind of like went to their room, kind of shut themselves off from the work from the world, stayed away from work. I know I kind of went through like a very depressive state, just being very transparent um, and did not use healthy mechanisms to kind of get through that. Um, so maybe like open platforms for speaking about these issues in, you know, safe spaces with black people, but also with other people as well. Just creating those communities, I think is very important. That's something I would love to see more. Yeah, I think definitely, like Joe said, we've been talking about that a lot and that, that is extremely important. Another thing that kind of, I don't know. It's something I, I always I always want. And I think it's really important for that kind of moving forward is the space that I think Jill and I are trying to fill, which is just like us being us. You know, we're just also people. And I think that we us having the space to just like be stupid or like be sad or be excited about something like that nobody else is excited about or just be human beings. Um, I think that a lot of the time our platforms and our spaces as Black people have to have a theme or have to have an overarching goal or have to have an educational uh, push. And sometimes I think that, I think if we open up our, our general space of the world to fit in Black people as just being people, that will be so powerful for the way that everyone looks at each other because mm-hmm. we're just people. just like everyone else. You know, you see like it, people are influencers for like their dogs. And like, <laughs> I feel like sometimes a black person should just have a dog and get famous, you know, like that we should have the space to just be average and normal too sometimes. It's so true. That's so funny. I think you were talking about stuff the other day, just like with like movies that have like an all black cast, it's always something like, a yes. Tyler Perry film, don't even get me started on that. Like <laughs> how big the wigs are and drug abuse and everything. Yeah. Um, or just like police brutality. And we were talking the other day and we're like, can't we just have a movie where like we're vibing and like we're <laughs> in love and it's not, you know, it's not about someone being killed at the end of it. So I kind of like that. I, I think that's so important too. I think that's exactly what I, how I would describe unconditional love is like everyone mm-hmm. just gets to be a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yes. exist together and navigate this 3D plane that we have to exist in. Yeah. Um, I think that's a beautiful way of describing that. Yeah. And it, it actually reminds me, um, you know, you're talking about the content that we're presented with really does yeah. inform, especially unconsciously, people's impressions of demographics or whatever. I know one time mm-hmm. I was in Bulgaria on a Goodwill trip and they asked mm-hmm. me, okay, well, how many men are you with? And my mom was like, excuse me? Well, Americans, it's sex in the city, right? So that was what they watched. And that's what (laughs) they assumed was the American lifestyle. You're speaking about a similar thing, right? Where the kind of movies that people are watching, they're saying, oh, this must be how it is. Mm -hmm. This must be accurate representation. My question to you is, what movie, book, or show do you think is the ideal for like future state? What do you think does a really good job of saying, hey, this is what we can actually put our energy into, invest our time and energy into saying that does a good job? I will say this show is like a free form show. So the acting is 
fucking terrible. <laughs> um, but Grownish on Freeform, it's just a show yes. of this diverse group of friends. There's like a few black people, an Indian uh, guy, um, a few white people, really just in college, and it's like their college journey all together. So mm-hmm. sex, um, you know, uh, toxic friendships, things that everyone goes through, and it really just looks at people as people and not this group of black people that are struggling on their all white campus. It's like a very diverse campus. It's really cool just to see these people having a, a diverse friend group, having these conversations, but also just being 17 year olds that are going to make stupid mistakes, just like everyone else. So awful acting. I'm saying like, watch it so you can get the general gist. <laughs> You're probably not going to love it, but like, that's kind of a show that I like that. I think they do very well with that. Yes, that is a good show. And <laughs> acting is so bad. That's I'm sad. <laughs> It's really not that good, but it's an iconic show. It's a great show. And I it is actually really hard for me to think of one because all the shows that I think of where there are like black main characters to, to begin with, there aren't that many. But when I think of that, it's like, oh, just kidding. This is like how to get away with murder, or this is euphoria or something that's like super dramatic and crazy. And there's all this, or like um outer banks, where I don't even I've never seen that, but I know something crazy is going on in that show. So like it is really hard to think of the ones where we just tell a story about our life. So I think that that is definitely something that we need to kind of fill that, that space. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of books too. I honestly, all the books that I have read are usually about police brutality. I'm reading one right now about gentrification. So also very important to educate yourself on those things, obviously, but it is, it is difficult to kind of think of things that are just about like the human experience in general that doesn't have to deal with those like specific niches, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is so frustrating and <laughs> on a very deep level for you guys and also for future state, like that has to be something that's changed immediately. So thank you for shedding light on that. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it a lot in books because we run, you know, writers programs mm-hmm. and we're both authors ourselves of like actual representation of characters without having to be like this is the token Indian person yeah this is the token mm-hmm. black person and this is how the stereotypes because that like it, it nothing I've I read a lot of fantasy and fiction books and nothing will stop me reading a book faster than oh great we're just gonna have one black person that's completely stereotyped oh and now I'm done with the book or it's the one person that dies in the whole book yeah. and you're like are you fucking yeah. kidding me like <laughs> yeah cool. So um, yeah, yeah, on like Disney Channel, how it's like the one black friend, and she's like, "Okay, girl, you better get your man." It's like, what? Like so many (laughs) black people are not like that, and so many are obviously, but it's just that stereotype. I think that can be very frustrating. Yeah, and I didn't think about that in the context of actually creating the stories. Like I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about it as a consumer, but I think I feel like there'd be it's actually very difficult to to do that because people are complex. But you want to like create this person that people will read and understand the person that you're creating and I feel like it's really hard to walk that line between having a stereotypical character and having a character that embodies what you're trying to have them embody Mm -hmm. yeah I think there's a difference between token and archetype right like the archetype Mm -hmm. is this person has these goals and if they are a person who has goals, they can be whatever they need to be or whatever suits the story or whatever the reader comes up with in their mind. One of the things that I like about some books is that they intentionally don't describe characters too much so that whatever the oh, yeah. reader associates with and whatever is important to the reader, that can be the story. And yeah. I really do enjoy that a lot, which in visual mediums is harder, right? But in when it comes to archetype, I think 
for creators, any writers who are listening to this or, you know, whatever creator, if you focus on what drives a person rather than the details of what that a person appears as, unless it's very vital to what drives them, you can create an archetype rather than maybe falling into that token issue. Cause it is one, like you see it everywhere and it's becoming more and more obvious and easy to point out, which hopefully in that way is making it easier to also navigate around and, you know, do better then. I think that's a big do better seems to be a big theme for this whole episode. Um, but I really think that that's for the creators who are, there's so much power in story, right? And so if you're the person telling the story, having an honest lens, being that person first kind of viewpoint could be really helpful. Yeah, I think another part of kind of talking about the love and the black love, another mm-hmm. part of it is, is I think that I'm kind of always thinking about the little black girl because I, you know, inherently, I feel like I'm, you know, still that little black girl. And whenever I look at, look at things in the world, I try to look at it from that perspective and thinking of these stories. And especially when we're talking about the human experience that always just so happens to be the white human experience, you start to, you get confused you don't know what your experience is supposed to be because your experience is either isn't depicted or is depicted as something that you're like, I'm not like that. So what do I do? So I think that this is so important to change so that we can see not, not only help little black girls and boys or whatever, see themselves and see where they're supposed to go. And I, I also strongly believe that you form the goals that you think you can achieve and you can only do that if you see it. So There are so many dreams that I think are killed before they're even formed because people don't see themselves in that. So I think like you're talking about these goals and the things that drive these characters. And if something can drive a character that a little black girl is like, I would love to do that and can see herself as that person. I think that that's so powerful for the next generation and for like continuing to solve these problems. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree on that note. I know we are getting kind of short on time, but is there a specific, we like we talked about earlier with doing like belief work with generational stuff. Is there a specific limiting belief that you wish that you could pull like on a grand scale from society, just like in a statement form. And what we would love to do is to just do like a belief poll for any of our listeners who want that belief gone. We can just do it energetically right now. Um, so if you identify one of those or thought about it, and then we can go ahead and pull it and that can be kind of how we, wrap up this really impactful and powerful conversation uh, can i tie this into like a stereotype i guess absolutely oh, anything yeah yeah so yeah uh, about a year ago i wrote this whole thing and one line that like made me really emotional was like the angry black woman and stuff and i had talked about this as well and it kind of goes back into my thought that i think people are afraid to have these conversations like we are right now because they think people are just going to get super angry and start yelling and bitching at them and cussing out. And I'm like, so many black women are not like that. But also um, if they are angry, which they have a right to be, you kind of have to look at it on a scale as everyone else gets angry. Like your white friends get angry. Your Indian friends get angry. Everyone gets angry. It's an emotion that most people have in this world. Um, I don't know a lot of people that don't have never been angry in their life. So I would love to just stop that kind of belief that it's only this angry black female um, kind of stereotype because you just need to remember again, like Steph said, how Steph said that we are all humans. We all have these feelings and that we kind of need to look at it within ourselves and then kind of look back at it at the world to see how similar you are to these people rather than making them so different than yourself. So that would be mine, I think. Awesome. Okay. And Steph, what about you? 
Oh my gosh, that was really good. Um, <laughs> if you don't have one, we can just go with that one. But. Yeah, I feel like mine was similar. Mine was like the two emotional thing. So I think that the angry black woman captures that perfectly. So to put that into like a statement that I would think to pull, and Krista, please give me any feedback. What if we pulled the belief on like, again, for collective level, whoever hears this and wants this, you simply just say yes and agree to it. And we'll do the energy work here for you in a second. Um, but what if it's uh, that either like black people experience emotion different than ours, or we have to be afraid of black emotion or something in that space. Is that kind of hitting what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like yeah. the have to be afraid of black emotion. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think something along the lines of like, cause remember it has to be in a positive statement because you believe it. So it's a positive. So, you know, I almost like I am required to, to fear. fear. Yeah black emotion okay well let's pull that one then because that's garbage and let's get that out of there yeah. <laughs> um, we'll go ahead and pull and release that and what we'll do is replace it with it's safe and possible to let all people experience emotion and yes. feel safe and possible in those spaces does that sound good yeah cool so for everyone listening for you guys on here just close your eyes take a couple deep breaths um chris and i will go ahead and pull and release that for you and give you the new downloaded belief um and then we'll come back so awesome so as soon as we got into that energy jack noticed <laughs> as he does yeah he's, he notices when energy is moving he did that a couple of weeks ago too and it, it kind of weirds him out so we know that energy was moving which is really cool i love that yeah thank you guys for bringing your insights for bringing for creating a container for this conversation because mm -hmm. it's it's helped me i know i'm going to refer back to it multiple times just to be inspired by it over and over again to anyone listening all of our alchemists this is not a conversation that ends here this is a continuing conversation it is ever growing it is always necessary so please follow the black genzennial podcast listen in <laughs> be inspired weekly or or how you guys post weekly right yeah, yeah. weekly conversations with jill and with stephanie and just you know, let that continue, put your energy into this positivity that they are perpetuating and, uh, highly recommend. Yeah. Also, how can everyone follow you on like socials and stuff too? <laughs> yeah, we're pretty much on everything. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. We make a lot of TikToks too, which are a lot of fun. Um, all of our streaming platforms, we post every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So find us on Podcast Addict, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora. We always joke we're like nobody over like 40 <laughs> listens or only people only 40 listen to Pandora, but we're on there too. So that's where you guys can find us. Awesome. Thank you guys well, so thank much. Yeah. Thank you both so much for coming and sharing this space with us. And we are so glad to have you on and can't wait to talk to you again. Oh, thanks and guys for having us. Yeah. yeah thank all, you so much. So to all the alchemists out there with this new wisdom, go make some magic. Make some magic. <laughs>